Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name's Stephen Watson. I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the world's best independent magazines and delivers them direct to thousands of readers around the world every month. If you love discovering great new publishing from outside the mainstream, head over to stackmagazines.com and use the code PODCAST to save 10% when you join our independent magazine club. This week I'm speaking with Afsana Rafi, founder and editor-in-chief of Icarus Complex, the magazine that takes an in-depth look at the issues surrounding climate change. We go right back to the start of things to speak about her initial impulse to make a magazine, uh, from sitting in the audience at a MagCulture live event here in London, through the process of publishing a first issue, and then her realisation that while she'd been working on that, several other groups of independent publishers had also been creating the launch issues of their magazines about climate change. I really enjoyed speaking to her and hearing firsthand her passion and the strength of her convictions. So I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation with Afsana from Icarus Complex. Afsana, thank you so much for making time to talk. Thank you for having me on. Can you tell me why you first started with this idea of making a print magazine about climate change? So it all really started um, back in 2018. I was commissioned to work on a design book for Design Friends Luxembourg, where I had to interview um, 50 designers. It was, you know, product designers, interior designers, uh, just anything that was falling under the umbrella of design. And one of the recurring themes that they mentioned was um, the idea of sustainability and how perverse it is as a designer to bring another product mm. into the world and how they were concerned with, you know, the end cycle of, mm. um, of products. And I found it very encouraging um, while I was working on the book that there is this group of creatives where these things are at the forefront of their minds. And so my first idea was, oh, wouldn't it be great if we created a think tank with creatives on the idea of uh, climate change. Um, but think tanks, I know nothing about. So um, <laughs> I, I left that to the side. And then through the course of the year, I read two articles that really shook me. Uh, one was Our Shrinking Planet by Bill McKibben in The New Yorker. And another one, I don't remember the title, but it was in The New York Times about that one time we could have saved the planet back in the 80s. Oh, God. And then, um, and then in October, Nicolas Hulot resigned in France. He was the interior minister and he had been a lifelong environmentalist. And that really um, sort of depressed me and made me uh, lose a bit of hope in the beginning because, you know, I thought things would really move along and change with him being in the government. Um, but then after he left and when I was listening to the things he said, it just it just sort of made sense that you can't wait for other people to change things for you. You need mm. to sort of make activism part of your own life. Mm. And then the last catalyst was when I was attending uh, ModMag in November of that year. And the editor-in-chief of Courier was on stage and he was talking about how he started and how 
he had actually himself gotten inspired when he was attending a magazine conference and that maybe today uh, some of us in the audience would be inspired to start our own <laughs> magazine. And uh, when I heard that, I sort of chuckled to myself and thought, haha, yeah, why not? And then... Um, and then that chuckle became really serious and I thought, wait, what I'm really uh, obsessed with right now is climate change. And at the time I hadn't seen anything um, that really touched on the subject. It was either much more scientific coverage or it was things like, you know, uh, how to make your own compost or diapers on the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, there was no real in between where you had a strong aesthetic at the service of a climate message now of course throughout that year um a lot of magazine actually did emerge uh, <laughs> but i guess <laughs> i was part of that wave that that made that connection of, mm, mm. you know climate coverage strong aesthetics and you know making delivering this message in a language that people can connect to yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny how like you you see this uh, in independent magazines. You you look around and think, ah, oh, it's funny that there's nothing talking specifically about this thing. And then like over the course of a year, several magazines then like come out addressing exactly that. So so when when you're looking around then um, at the other magazines talking about climate change, which are the ones that you see, you know, in the same kind of area as you and the, the ones that you look to for, for doing good work? I mean, honestly, I find all of them really inspiring. And um, I get excited whenever there's a new issue. And I think we all have a slightly different approach. Mm -hmm. um, so... I just feel like it's all complementary in a way. I mean, I love It's Freezing in L.A. Uh, I really um, feel deeply connected to Where the Leaves Fall. Mm -hmm. I love Atmos. I think mm -hmm. they all do a really, really fantastic job. Mm -hmm. And as you say, actually, the, yes, while there are, there's obviously the common threads of the subject matter and also the fact that all of these magazines are taking a very strong graphic visual approach, you are actually doing them really in, in your own particular ways. And I'd say one of the things that really stands out for me about Icarus Complex um, is the photography. It's one of the things that I think really defines the magazine for me. So, I mean, is that, do you have that in your background or do you kind of, do you look to other people to determine that for you? Well, I mean, I've worked in, in the magazine field before, um, Years ago, with Mike Kudinger in Luxembourg, I launched um, with him Nico magazine, and then I worked with Twin magazine mm -hmm. as an associate um, publisher here. Mm -hmm. So I've always had a love of magazines and and strong aesthetic. So initially, you know, when I was talking to uh, with one of my friends who's a co-founder of the nonprofit, and he's a climate researcher at the University of Brighton. I was describing what I really wanted to do. And he said, oh, OK, great. So you basically want to make a magazine for a bunch of hipsters then? <laughs> um, and, and that sounded sort of, I had just come from New York, so that sounded slightly um, like he was making fun of me. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, and so I had to question myself 
And it was actually a very pertinent question because yes, I want, I mean, I have a very uh, huge love of beautiful aesthetics mm -hmm. and that's what I gravitate to. But um, I purposefully also want to tone it down in Icarus Complex. So I do want strong photography, but I don't really want to be edgy from a design perspective because of the people that I would like to appeal to. I see. Right. Okay. Well, so let, let's talk more about that then. So who are the readers of Icarus Complex and how do you go about getting that magazine in front of them? So, um, I mean, I, I don't haven't really surveyed every single reader um, to really know if um, what I imagine in my mind and the reality, um, you know, coincide. But um, for me, it's the reader is someone who would just as likely read the FT or Monocle or the Gentlewoman and has a well-rounded view of the world mm -hmm. um, and is concerned about where our planet is heading. Mm -hmm. So th therefore, for me, it was really important to not have um, a very, very strong indie mag aesthetic because i felt like the straight edge um guy who works in finance might maybe not gravitate towards my magazine but that's the sort of people that i want to appeal to because i feel like i don't want to preach to the choir mm -hmm. you know i would like um to get people on board that you don't necessarily associate with being passionate mm, mm, mm. I see. so so basically you're not wanting to um isolate people or, or alienate um people yeah. the so thinking about the i guess the the question of climate crisis more broadly it feels to me like this is something that has massively slipped down the agenda because of um the pandemic and the you know that obviously yeah. has like sucked all of the oxygen out of pretty much everything else but it how do you feel that as someone who is actually making uh, you know a magazine all about this do you feel that you're having to work harder these days to get people to pay attention or or is it actually still there no i still i think it's still there and actually in a it's still there in a more positive way in a sense because you know, whereas before you had the excuse of saying, oh, but it's too difficult, you know, mm. and it costs too much and there's too many uh, parts that you need to coordinate. The pandemic has shown that if we really have the will to do things mm. and if governments really have the, the will to shut things down and change things the way we should do things, then they can do it. So I think that actually has been a very uh, positive lesson. And you know, in the last issue, we interviewed um, Rebecca Henderson, who's an economist, and she was saying um, the COVID crisis is really like a dress rehearsal for the climate crisis. And mm. I really believe that to be true. Mm. Now, I think the one important lesson um, also that has come out is that um, initially, you know, I felt like there was a sort of unifying thread around the world where you felt this sense of empathy with human beings on the on the other side of the planet because of the fact that we were all going through the same thing um and that sense of unity 
sort of dissolved into huge uh, disparate voices and um, people arguing about, you know, wearing of the mask or not wearing of the mask. So what I what I think the lesson is, is that it's very easy um, to create disunity and friction. And I think the lesson to be learned is not to be um, sidetracked and, and to stay on message and, and find ways um, to unify people around the central theme. Mm-hmm. And I guess that crosses over with some of the kinds of stories that you're telling in terms of recognizing that the the issue of climate also crosses over obviously with lots of other stuff so so thinking of politics for example you've got that story of is it uh, muatin leben is is that muatin lebnen yeah and and so uh, a a group am i right saying that they formed um, as a grassroots organization to literally clear up after protests in lebanon yes so, so, so tell, tell me a little bit about that story and why that's the right sort of thing for you to be including in this magazine. So for me, um, I, had, I had very much been thinking about the importance of grassroots movements in affecting change and that you can't, within the climate narrative, I feel like you have to um, both work to change things from the top down but also galvanize people from the bottom up. And what happens at the bottom is usually what moves people at the top, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what what I found very encouraging in this story is that, you know, they've had years of um, waste management problems in Beirut and Lebanon in general, where the waste would just, garbage would pile up and pile up and nobody was doing anything about it. And um, these young people just, at the dawn of the the protests in the middle of um, the economic downturn, uh, the high inflation, uh, the social unrest, still found themselves motivated enough to take actions in their own hands and do something positive um, for their city. And these are actually, they they ended up being um, part of the leading NGOs on the ground that were cleaning up after the big explosion this summer. Right. So that's, I was going to ask, so did you then stay in touch with them and, and find out like, you know, yeah, how were they involved following the, the explosion in Beirut? Yes, they were asking um, for volunteers, for donations, and they were, you know, clearing out the rubble everywhere, um, sending everything to recycling that they were collecting, helping people um, uh, with food and uh, supplies uh, and everything. And they were part of a group of NGOs that was um, doing everything on the ground while the government was basically doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So, so you have a story like that, which is about a, a place in crisis, in, in absolute crisis, and, and people just trying to make some difference. And then you'll also have a story on, for example, um, the North Sea, and so the the gradual transition of, uh, I guess, like the use of the North Sea from like you know oil and gas into to wind power. Yes. Do do you feel like 
do you feel like you have an overarching message with the magazine? Is, is there something that you're trying to make people do or think as a result of reading stories like this? Yes, I would like them to feel like um, they are connected to people around the world and that this doesn't just happen in far off distant places. Mm -hmm. It happens in your neighborhood or in the country next to you. And that what I'd like people to see is the common thread that unites us. And that's why also it's really important for me to transcend any sort of uh, political ideology or tendency um, I, because I think that's very divisive and, and the climate issue is not a political issue. I mean, it's not a partisan political issue. It is certainly a political issue, but not a partisan one. And, and so it's very important for me to transcend any sort of divisive narrative. Mm, mm, mm. so i mean you you have some like you've set some very tough goals for yourself so there, these are these are difficult things to to try to achieve or, or even contribute to what are your aims when you're looking ahead now to like 2021 and, and beyond when are you planning to have issue three of icarus complex out so i'm aiming for may um 2021 and uh, I have to be honest, not all the stories are set in stone right now, but I really um, want to visit the concept of water and all the challenges that exist around water. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Also, I want to look at lithium mining. Um, so I should say that one of the things that is important for me is to look at something holistically. Um, as much as I can. So, for example, in this last issue, when we looked at um, nuclear energy, it was important for me to outline everything that the proponents say and everything that those who are against it say, so that the reader can make a, a well-informed opinion on the subject. Because um, I find it discouraging when I read a story, for example, about you know, how recycling is just ending up um, in landfills in China or made mm. in Malaysia and being burnt or um, about lithium mining. If I just read a story that tells me, oh, but there's so many negative effects that come out of uh, mining of lithium and how it affects the, the local community. So I think those are very important um, issues to raise, but I think it's also important to raise them in balance of the whole picture so that uh, you can really measure, okay, what what effect do my actions or purchases have in the grand scheme of things? You know, is lithium mining so bad that nobody should um, drive electric cars or is it only bad under this and this condition? Um, mm. Do you see what I mean? I don't know if I'm speaking in circles, but... Um, I think it's important to draw a very um, elaborate picture on, on a subject. And yeah. so that's why I'm really interested in visiting that. And then also um, carbon offsetting schemes, what the advantages and disadvantages are in drawing a, a better picture about that subject as yeah. well. You, I mean, the, you're, you're, I mean, it makes 
perfect sense. I can completely see where you're coming from. It again makes me think you're you're doing something that's really difficult. I mean, the you know to be able to give a nuanced. Uh, uh, argument about something that represents both sides but doesn't just end up sitting on the fence is incredibly difficult to do and I I guess one of the uh, problems that has dogged the climate crisis is people just having that sense of helplessness and hopelessness that this thing is just too great we just can't do it are there ever those dark nights where you sit down to Icarus Complex and you end up thinking I can't do this well, I, I feel like it helps to not uh, look at the big picture of the world. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it can be, can be uh, discouraging, but but to uh, always remind yourself what you know, what your mission is, or what what is the little bit that you can do, mm, you know, mm, to mm. make that change. And so, uh, you know, there's always this saying where you say um, singular drops can form an ocean. But I think what's important is to make those singular drops gravitate towards each other so that they have a chance of forming an ocean. So Mm -hmm. it's also important to report on all the things that are happening around the world so that you don't feel that you're doing things in isolation mm-hmm. and also thinking about i mean you know one of the uh, big criticisms of a small independent magazine is it's so small the you know how how can this little magazine hope to really make a difference but one of the things they are really good at is bringing people together under a, a common cause that it, it feels to me like maybe those singular drops it can also be the people who come together on this magazine to to create something. That's right. Uh, and so how do you go about bringing those drops together? Where, where do you find these people? So, I mean, I was part of this um, thing called The Conduit, which now shut down because of COVID. But yeah, that was actually a really great place where I met people who were like-minded um, and who were involved in lots of different things around sustainability um, and and um, affecting change uh, in climate. So, you know, there's the law firms that um, are bringing suits to fight climate change. There's the people who from a um, financial investment perspective, we're doing things to change um, the way people think about investments. There's uh, people who had their own brands that were sustainable brands. So these people all converge together and and that doesn't um, exist as a physical place anymore, but there's still a network of people who can connect. Um, I'm also now talking um, to Dave and Lucien from Where the Leaves Fall uh, about whether or not we could um, together set up a podcast where we would interview people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, around this subject. And um, so this is something I very much would like to do to find more common things that I could do with like-minded institutions and people. 
Yeah. Well, it seems to me that you've got uh, a lot. <laughs> you've got a lot to work on. Uh, so, uh, so very good luck with issue three, and of course with the podcast and uh, and bringing everything else together. Um, and thanks very much for speaking. Thank you. Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Afsana for taking the time to speak to me. You didn't hear this, but her son was sitting in the next room getting on with his homeschooling because of a coronavirus case in his class. So her schedule was even more pressured than usual. Um, I'm pleased to say that we have copies of Icarus Complex available to buy in the stack shop at the moment. So if Afsana has made you want to see this magazine for yourself, head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop to pick one up. I would like to end with a reminder about our Christmas gift subscriptions. Obviously, this will make no sense at all if you're listening to this like a month or more from now. But if you're listening soon after this episode is released, please remember Stack when you're doing your Christmas shopping this year. Uh, Go to stackmagazines.com forward slash Christmas and you'll see all of our Christmas offers, uh, including three months, six months and annual subscriptions to our surprise magazine club. Perfect for all those difficult to buy for people. All right. Thanks very much for listening to this episode. We'll be back with another one next week.